0: Hey everyone, and welcome to But That's Just My Opinion, the podcast hosted by me, Matt Lantrip, where I interview people about any opinion they have on any topic of their choice. This week, we're starting off with some more entertainment, film, movie, video game stuff. We're going to be talking about CGI computer generated images. You'll see these pretty much in almost any film nowadays, whether it's very small just to touch up things in the background or remove things, or full characters. And the entire world can be created out of CGI. It all depends on how much the filmmaker wants to use. And what we're going to be talking about today is it's overuse in movies. I have a good friend of mine, Josh Blake, the guy who created my logo that you see every week on this wonderful podcast. And he is a graphic designer himself. And so having him come on and talk about practical effects and CGI and the difference and really why he believes practical effects are much better. Not much better, but he enjoys them a lot more, and I do too. You'll hear us talk about like a sense of realism and all that, but it's a really fun conversation to ha- that we had, and I really enjoyed talking to him about it and really getting some more knowledge about CGI that I didn't have previously, but I knew about practical effects, so I really enjoyed that, and I hope you guys do too. This week, I'm not going to do an opinion. Many of you may know that Gene Wilder, the great actor, died on Monday. He was 83 years old, and he was a big influence to me in the sense that he really helped my love of film be fostered just through his movies. I didn't know him personally, but he, his movies, whether with Mel Brooks, Richard Pryor, anything on his own, I loved him, and he was really my first sense of what comedy was and what comedy should be and can be and what you can really do with it. I wrote a small thank you letter to him on my Facebook page and I just wanted to read it here in case anyone hadn't read it and just for everyone out there so they know really what it meant to me and how I thought and my first thoughts when, when I heard of his passing on Monday. It's called A Thank You to Mr. Gene Wilder. Today is a sad day as a comic legend passed. Gene Wilder has touched many with his words and brought laughter to people of all ages over the world. His work in many films, such as Young Frankenstein, Stir Crazy, The Producers, and so many others, have cemented a career that is equal to no other. Many of my generation will remember their first experience of his presence as Willy Wonka, a truly memorable performance that will be praised long after today. He deserves every accolade he has ever been given, and many more. But one particular film of his stands out most to me. When I first got into work today, I saw the announcement of Gene Wilder's death. Most people's first thoughts were their favorite roles or quotes of his. My first thought was sitting on the couch with my dad, watching Blazing Saddles and laughing hysterically. This and Trading Places are the films that no matter what time of day, no matter what's going on around us, my dad and I will sit there together and enjoy every scene, every line of dialogue, and laugh. So thank you, Mr. Wilder, and all those involved in the film, for not only fostering my love of cinema but for being a part of something that helped me bond with my dad. For this, I can never thank you enough. So in your honor, I will raise a glass and watch a film that will hopefully bond me with my future children just as it did my father and I. Rip Gene Wilder, June 11th, 1933, to August two 2016. I know you're in heaven making God laugh. Alright everybody, thank you for listening to that. Gene Wilder was just... He was a comedy legend. There's no other way to say it. He was one of the best there ever will be. No matter who he's working with, whether it's himself, the cast he always surrounded himself with, like Richard Pryor, Cleavon Little, Madeline Kahn, Mel Brooks, all of them. He always did such a great job. And he was married to one of the funniest people, Gilda Radner, one of the original Saturday Night Live cast members, and she passed long before him, so... I know they're finally up there together, making everyone laugh. All right, enough of the sad stuff. Let's get into the episode today, and I hope you guys enjoy it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I noticed that you noticed uh, when Reed was recording. What do you mean? When you started recording when he didn't know. See, oh, yeah. I, I, I saw d- you hit record, so now I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I I'm not trying looked. to like hide it from anyone. It's just... I like. I don't like just going straight right. into the convo. I'm sorry. Does that offend you? Are you I offended a, that I'm not telling you? A little
1: looking forward to it actually. Just uh,
0: being tricked. Oh well, I do it on a small table okay. with just one other person, <laughs> so it's kind of hard not to see. Yeah, you, you could have distracted me or something. Hey, look over here. Uh, no, Ooh, we're nice. totally not recording right now.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, well, hello everybody. Welcome to. But that's just my opinion. Got my guest here today, Josh Blake. Say hello. 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 Uh, land, you, Radio land. Yes. <laughs> um, you may recognize that name if you listen to earlier episodes. He is the guy behind my fabulous logo. So, I mean, thank you very much for
1: that. That's, I love it. <laughs> it's it's yeah. awesome. People actually think that's my body. It's funny. You said, you said to me, can you make me a logo? And I said, ah, okay. <laughs> uh, and He said, I want you to put my head on the dude's body and... My honest re- first reaction was that sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> I, did, I did not tell you, but I was like, you know what? He it's what he wants, so I'm just gonna do it and I did it like in some downtime and uh yeah, it looks looks great. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean it came out absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Everyone so, everyone yeah. thinks that's actually my body. They're like, exactly. Where'd you get that sweater? I'm like, That's not me. <laughs> like, look, the skin tone is different between the yeah. hands
1: and my face. Yeah. Like <laughs> your body looks like jeff bridge's body though uh, i think that's fair
0: uh i guess i, I guess i got an old man body <laughs> <laughs> but we're here today to talk about uh cgi and its overuse in
1: movies yeah okay so my uh opinion on this and it is just an opinion so is i think the C- the the advent of cgi Uh, has changed the psychology of filmmakers, and I think even the audiences also. Um, So why don't we take a trip down memory lane? All right. And I'm going to just spit some facts a little bit just to catch people up um, on sort of the invention of computer graphics, blah, blah, blah. So like a 100 years ago when movies started, it was obviously all film, all practical. So miniatures, matte paintings. A matte painting is like when you actually paint... If Cinderella's walking up to her castle, they don't build the castle. They paint the castle on a plate glass and they film it. So everything is physical. Paintings, miniatures, models, puppets, everything. Right? Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't look real, but you know it's real because you see it. It's like the charm of it, I think. Anyway, skip ahead 50 years and... Well, not 50, whatever. Uh, And Star Wars comes out. And there's a huge revolution and and special effects not visual effects quite yet it's still miniatures and models and stuff like that but it starts to change the the sort of atmosphere of cinema sort of in terms of special effects okay so let's skip ahead a little more time oh and sorry industrial light magic was invented george lucas had created the vfx company Industrial Light Magic (ILM). Which yeah, is what which we'll is call it
0: one of the biggest in the world today.
1: I'd say it's the biggest. Yeah, I, I don't know how you debate whether it's Way to Workshop or ILM. I don't know. Weta Workshop was invented for Lord of the Rings. I'll get to that later. Okay, <laughs> yeah, they do a lot of crazy stuff. <laughs> they do do some crazy stuff. And so, uh, skip ahead more time, and in the mid '80s, Steve Jobs is fired from his own company and is looking for businesses to start up. And there was one business. Uh, called pixar actually no it wasn't called pixar yet but jordan i don't know if a lot a lot of people don't know this but george lucas sort of accidentally started pixar and sold it to steve jobs um and steve jobs funded money like lots and lots and lots of money and they were just making commercials and little short films and they were like on the brink of 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 collapsing when they got funding for toy story
0: and obviously the rest is history yeah and one of the biggest things that he did right was um he supplied like all the apple computers for for pixar like that's part of the yeah, when, part of,
1: when he i think wasn't he like an investor in pixar before he got fired though i i think it was he was fired and was looking for new investments gotcha. and so and the the actual reason why he's a billionaire is not because apple is because of pixar yeah so that's a little fun fact I think. Uh, <laughs> Doesn't matter. I read read I read the History of Pixar book in college. It's a little while ago. Anyway. Um, right. Well, let me rewind a little bit. So when uh, George Lucas still had control over the fools who became Pixar, um, they were doing some early, early motion graphics for ILM. And I think the first motion graphic they ever did was for Star Trek II, Rathacon, the animation of the planet exploding that they watch on the computer. I think it's the... I don't know what the name of the sequence is, but it's very simple, just like a... It looks like a PS1 graphics type of animation of a planet being created and then exploding. looks really cool. And then I think the next sort of jump in visual effects is uh, young Sherlock Holmes. And it's this really weird movie from the late 80s, I think. And it's this one sequence that... The stained, it's called The Stained Glass Man. It's like a stained glass window that breaks and all the pieces build and it's a, it's a man walking and he's made of stained glass. And that was, I think, one of the first, I think the first uh, full CG character in a movie done by the same people who would go on to do Pixar. And then, now it's starting to happen. Now the wheels are starting to turn. And I, then I think um, we skip ahead a little bit to... I'm just going to skip to Jurassic Park because that's yeah. essentially where the 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 the, the dam breaks yeah. and people can see really what VFX can do. Also, Terminator came out two years before, and all the yeah. liquid metal effects. T yeah, two was huge for T2 all was that. Huge. So, and uh, before that, it was always just they're slowly, slowly pushing VFX, and people are really impressed by Abyss and like a- water effects and. Thanks. James Cameron's just James like, Cameron. but back then away. they knew that it was just a tool for a specific job. You know, usually to fill in the background or do this or that and the other, but it was always foreground was practical. Background was, was visual effects. And then after Jurassic Park comes out, people are just blown away. <laughs> I mean, they're thinking these dinosaurs are real and they look great and they still look great. Well, weren't some of them actually animatronics? so here's the thing the to me the beauty of filmmaking in general is the only thing that matters is what ends up on the screen right and so whatever it takes to get that you you kind of have to do it and so yeah obviously and i think visual in terms of visual effects shots in jurassic park i want to say there's no more than 50 oh that's not that much at all five zero i think maybe it's 53 or something like that oh that's nothing i i want to say in modern movies it's two three four thousand visual effect shots yeah and it starts to change and then yeah so and they but 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 they built the only time you see visual effects in jurassic park is when the dinosaurs have legs if they're walking around if it's above the of the knee it's a practical effect uh, either a giant animatronic life-size (laughs) t-rex which is still super scary if you go to universal ride uh the Jurassic Park ride or a guy in a suit, like a Raptor suit. He's like inside a suit. It's like that opening scene where he pulls the guy like in that, and like
0: a claw coming around. That's all practical in the
1: kitchen sequence. I honestly, oh, yeah. I can't tell you what, what is real and what's fake in that scene. That's true. It's, it's especially with filmmaking. the,
0: especially with the update they did. They made it look so good.
1: Yeah. It's, it, it really is the perfect blend Using mm-hmm. every tool at your disposal, and not just one tool. Okay. And so, uh, after Jurassic Park, I'm going to skip ahead a little more to Phantom Menace. And so, Phantom Menace, everyone looks back on What's it. What's that? As, I, don't, I don't know what that it's is. It's this little movie. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, and so, people, hey. people look back on, on Phantom Menace and think, man, there's so much visual effects. That movie sucks. Well, it sucks It sucks for other reasons. It does suck. But the there was actually, effects. at the time, the most miniatures ever made were for Phantom Menace. Oh, there's wow. a lot, a lot, a lot of practical and and actual old-timey effects. But everyone forgets that because the first fully CGI uh, main character was Jar Jar.
0: Yeah. Oh. oh, Jar
1: Jar. He's part of VFX history. He's probably one of the <laughs> biggest parts of VFX history because he started without... Without Jar Jar, we wouldn't have Gollum, we wouldn't have Davy Jones, we wouldn't have uh, everything because all of the Jar mocap. Jar. It's yeah. all because of Jar Jar.
0: Oh, that makes me sad.
1: Think about <laughs> was, was it. Was Jar Jar though. mocap? Jar Jar was mocap. They had a guy on set. I think Ahmed Best was his name. This poor guy. I've read, I've <laughs> read interviews with him, and he's like he wanted to make Jar Jar more like a. Kind of like, I don't know. (laughs) Not what it came out to be, and then it came out to be what it was. And I feel, man, he, uh, I don't know.
0: George Lucas just took that character and
1: flushed him down the toilet. It's interesting that. uh, Never mind. Change subject. What? Uh, Well, I read. I read this article that they're saying that something like BB-8 was what George Lucas wanted Jar Jar to be. Oh,
0: okay but like that just, little side character that's kind of Well no and, but
1: you look at it and you go oh yeah. and just everyone loves bb8 yeah and i'm a huge fan of bb8 i think i mean he might be i mean he's really hot on the tails of r2 in my opinion and star wars is my favorite movie yeah so well anyway i mean he's r2 for the new generation he is i think it's just an incredible design just so charming also practical
0: yeah the fact that it's Uh, all
1: that you can look at it and see it i've gone to conventions i've seen it i've touched it yeah
0: i mean the fact that it can actually roll around like that like the the special i mean they built a mechanism just for that i i yeah technology was created for bb i still
1: don't really know how it works
0: and that's it's like magnets i believe how do those work (laughs) (laughs) um i'm pretty sure it's like at least for the head it's like a magnet yeah. That it must stays be. inside that stabilizes it. It's like some super magnet or something. And then it's just like a motor on a. It's
1: just a ball. Yeah, motor I saw inside. that they had a video at. Um, it's online from. Um, what's it called? Uh, Star Wars Celebration mm-hmm. a few months ago. That they, they show. It's a whole panel on how they made BB 8 from scratch. Oh, wow. And I watched the whole thing and I still and they have they had they show what it looks like on the inside all the me- all the mechanisms working and i still don't really know how it works yeah I because mean, it's just the character is great it's new technology essentially yeah, it's great it's great um but now i guess we're caught up to the present and i guess what i'm my my thesis statement of this how my opinion whatever
0: the gross overuse of is, cgi is, in today's movies
1: i'm finding that so the other day i showed my friend one of my favorite movies of all time called hello dolly it's made in 1969 uh, directed by Gene Kelly, the star of Singing in the Rain. It's a musical. It's probably the last grand musical. It stars uh, uh, Barbara Streisand and Walter Matthau. And there's this one scene where she's walking through a parade in kind of like 19, early 1900s New York City, and they got like 10,000 extras for this. They li- this created a parade. Yeah. And we both were looking at each other. I couldn't believe what I was seeing because I know it's real. Yeah. And I'm looking at my TV, and there's they 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 created a parade just for this one movie, and I just I I don't know what that feeling is, but it's 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 incredible. The I, fact I, that they actually got everyone to come out, it's like the sheer organization. Yeah, and the movie takes place in the early 1900s. So how many costumes? Yeah, and how much food you have? Like <laughs> it, it, it's astounding to me. Mm.
0: It's like the ending of Gandhi with Ben Kingsley. Yeah. That funeral scene, yeah. that's all extras. Yeah. Like, uh, where everyone's just at the how many, Taj Mahal. How many? Uh, thousands. thousands. But they got... Definitely. It's its the most yeah. extras ever in a yeah. movie. And there's just thousands of people. And they just got it just for the yeah. one helicopter shot at yeah. the end.
1: It's weird that the simplicity of gathering many extras is is like... i us say the last movie, I think, that probably did it. The first one that comes to mind is Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Well, I guess we now hop on to chris nolan and his thoughts on vfx and he knows i mean he feels like he, he's the only one who kind of is it seems like sometimes i'm in the minority about this whole like cgi thing because something like jurassic world to me is a gross gross overuse of cgi especially the heritage of jurassic park uh, i see your eyes right now no i'm just thinking about it You're I, mean, I loved, let's do it right now hit it
0: i loved jurassic world i know it's a stupid movie but that's all it was it was supposed to be just a fun summer blockbuster um that's a different topic but <laughs>
1: well, i'll have to come back and debate uh, over, um, it, over that film um jurassic i mean i didn't me think the it heritage, was, i didn't think it was terrible it's part embedded in the dna of jurassic park in in is the cinema practical. is when you watch the first film you no doubt in your mind that is real yeah, and that's a huge part of that movie. Yeah, I get you. And when I look at the new film, it's honestly it sickens me. <laughs> and that, this is this is why I get so upset CGI about CGI purist over because here because I'm such a huge nerd and a huge. That's it. That's all I can say. Yeah. About it, that because that that part and folks like Stan Winston and people like Rick Baker who are being put out of work for no reason. Rick Baker did all the makeup for for Men in Black, for the Thriller music video. He's the monster makeup guy, American, yeah. Were- American Werewolf in London, which I think came out 35 years ago today, I think. Oh, wow. Incidentally. People who, who created these iconic moments in movie history with their hard work, uh, making, these, making these things come to life. And now, because I, don't, I just don't know what the, the shift in the culture is that people for some reason don't believe. It's money and time. It is money and time that money
0: equals time. Money and time and when cgi can take less money and less time that's what they're going to do they can they don't have to waste money on set anymore and paying all those actors
1: and it's weird they have such a reliance on cgi in film today but the irony is something like sausage party just came out apparently they heavily under underpaid and they made people work over time. Well
0: that's the entire VFX industry.
1: And then also Rhythm and Hughes or Rhythm and yeah. Hughes yeah. went bankrupt after they won an Oscar for Life of Pi.
0: Yeah. Because what the studio it? just wasn't going to pay them. Yeah, they went bankrupt and they won an Oscar. It's Dude, that whole thing sickens me. Uh, have you seen the mini-doc on it? I haven't. There's like a 30-minute mini-doc about them going under. And it's absolutely terrible. Because, I mean, they're winning awards. They've won, multi- they've won Academy Awards before. Mm-hmm. But they have to let go of pretty much their entire staff because they go bankrupt because the studios are forcing them to pay- take less than it's actually worth. Mm-hmm. And so people are just... And when they were up there trying to give the speech... Uh, at the Oscars during the they got cut short mm. when they started talking about the gross underpay and um, in the VFX industry mm-hmm. the entire protest that was happening outside of the Vf- by the VFX industry was completely not covered mm. um, i mean it was just people in hollywood going hey we don't want to pay for this so don't cover yeah. it and if they talk about it shut it down mm-hmm. I mean, you see that in politics all the time. but yeah. And, like, yeah. every news organization will do that. But, I mean, it just sucks because the people that you rely on the most, you're, you're making them underpay or they're going somewhere else where mm-hmm. they won't pay, you know, where they'll take the lower money.
1: Yeah. It's, it just seems to me like the, the craft, and, and I don't want to say that the VFX guys, what they do is an art. because It very much is. And they put in the same amount of work as other people. Oh, yeah. But to me, the craft of making people believe what's real is dead. Now, by that, I mean it's not the visual effects department's fault that in Furious 7 they decided we're going to have cars drive it from in Dubai, one building, crash through a window into another building. That's not their yeah. fault. They didn't decide to do that. <laughs> but for me, I'm like, okay, so Buster Keaton silent movie star, the original kind of uh, him and Charlie Chaplin, and these guys had created this, you know, helped build uh, silent movies and into talkies. And yeah. he had this rule where he said, if we couldn't do it for real, we just don't do it. And that they're talking about the scripts. Yeah. And he does cr- like mind blowing stuff, like sitting on a train and jumping onto another train or he'll, or the famous stunt where He'll be standing there, and a car will drive by, and he'll just grab the car and just like zip off the screen like a cartoon, you know. It's yeah. just absurdly crazy stuff that when you watch, the camera is sort of sitting there on a tripod. Yeah, he's standing there, and you see him jump off a ten-story building or something. You have no choice but to believe it because it's looking. It's you're seeing it with yeah. your own eyes. It's
0: happening, whether there's wires to help or whatever.
1: And there weren't. Yeah, and because obviously back there's no wire removal technology, whatever. And so I feel like the restraint. There's no more restraint today. And so when I see cars driving from building to building, <laughs> you know, at this perfect sun, sun coming down, so just like perfect and everything, I go, wow, that's you know, kind of it's you know, looks really cool. Yeah. But you know, I mean, no way am I really. Well, I don't it think never happened. I don't think they're trying to make you believe that. And that's happened. what I'm saying. Is is now I think the psychology of the audience is different now too. That they're. It's it's like a two way street. If people didn't buy that, then nobody. And that movie made a billion dollars. Yeah. So obviously, I'm, must I must be in the, in the minority. Hey, no, I think that movie's fucking crazy and awesome. Yeah. But I feel like for a movie that like Fast and Furious franchise is all about practical cars crashing and stuff. Oh, and they it, did a lot. It stopped that after. And they, like they did the a lot of one. that, but it seems like they're going into strange territory now, and I would expect cars in space. <laughs> as Dennis Wallin he says, he wants him to fly to space and drive around on the moon. <laughs> that sounds amazing, actually. And it seems like um, there's a lot of good set behind the scenes photos. Actually, recently from Justice League, Henry, is it Cavill Cavill? Is it Cavill or Cavill? Doesn't matter. Of him taking photos with little kids mm-hmm. on set and his cape, he has no cape. They, yeah. All they have is motion tracking dots. Mm hmm. And I was just like, man, can't do the cape for real anymore. Shots fired. Shots fired. <laughs> yeah, I mean. So it seems like they're focusing on the cape when really I'm going to be piggybacking off Reed's podcast if she'd be really thinking about other things. You
0: know? Yeah, no, I totally, I totally understand that. I mean, I, I, I completely agree that there's way too much of a s- reliance on VFX. And half the time, it doesn't even look real to me. Because people it's are not like, real. people are like, oh, it looks so good, you know. It's like, yeah, but they're supposed to say. People are saying, oh, this looks better than real. It's like, no, it doesn't. I can still tell it's a computer. Yeah,
1: you're, when you say it looks so good, you're still saying it. You're, you understand it's fake, but it yeah. looks really good. Yeah. You're not saying, wow, that scene and when they flip that truck, so much good CGI there, dude. I really appreciate that. No.
0: Yeah, it's like I can tell that's fake. Like
1: I'm having fun, but. It's like Chris Nolan is sort of moving backwards in time because he – like the the scene in Inception, the the hallway spinning sequence. Oh, yeah. They actually built that hallway. I mean, people talk about that still. It's like, you know. Yeah, I know. I get you. I mean, the practical effects. And and also for his his upcoming film, Dunkirk, there's rumors that he bought – not personally, but for the film, $500,000 – like – 1940s like luftwaffe german airplane that they plan on crashing for the movie <laughs> that's awesome and what i when i'm looking forward to seeing is 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 seeing that you know yeah. not seeing a video game version of that like when you go to see a concert you want to see your favorite musician shredding up on stage and doing what you know you yeah. don't want to go and see a hologram unless the person is dead Or unless it's the gorillas. (laughs) (laughs) I think it is Uh, sort of like, it's like you go to an art museum. You want to see the painting. You want to see, you don't want to see like a picture of the painting. But here's the the difference though, is like Photoshop is a tool. Mm -hmm. Paint brushes are a tool the same way that film is a tool and CGI is a tool. Yeah. So I guess what my whole point is, is the, the filmmakers when you have CGI and you can achieve whatever you want, you can have your cape flow perfectly in the wind. I feel like when you get exactly what you want, it's not really what you wanted, sort of. And I would—I always go back to Jaws as the example. Of, like, you drop yeah. any modern filmmaker today into Steven Spielberg's shoes at the time of making Jaws. I don't think anybody could last today. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, nobody. Nobody has any sort of street skills anymore. About like, oh, fuck. We can't do this, that, and the other, like because we're we'll just doing post. We're we'll just doing post. We're we'll just doing post. Yeah,
0: I mean, I I completely agree. They're it's a lost art form for sure. I just I recorded another friend's podcast oh a couple months ago, and they actually shot in. I mean, not shot, but they uh they record in a guy's uh workshop where he builds uh like, masks and prosthetics and fake heads and all that type of stuff for movies. Mm-hmm. So, like, when people, like, face burst open or whatever, like, he builds that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, it was actually really cool. Because, like, actually getting to walk around and feel and touch it and, like, see, like, oh, this is actually in real life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and it just takes me back to really one of my favorite movies of all time, The Thing. John Carpenter. The I was just thing. about to bring up The Thing. Because that, yeah, The Thing the, is
1: the, the pinnacle of practical, practical effects. Because... When you look at that movie, because it's just old enough that they don't look, it's like hard to describe, they don't look quote-unquote real, but because they are there and it's happening in front of you, you have no
0: choice but to believe it. And honestly, it gives better acting because the actor actually has
1: something to act off of. And yeah, if you haven't seen the thing, you have to go see it because it is just... And then, and then they remade the thing with all visual effects, replacing all the practical effects. I didn't even
0: see it. I, re- I, and, ref- I mean,
1: look it. what happened. And I think it's something that people don't really think about anymore because, oh, no, it looks the same. It looks the same. It looks the same. Why, why pay for this when I could just do this cheaper, blah, blah? It looks the same. Yeah. I feel like I'm really beating a dead horse. If <laughs> the listener is still listening, I applaud you. Now, I'm going to do the complete opposite and tell you a lot of the effects that I do like. Back to Furious 7, uh, Paul Walker, they like, yeah. brought him back to life.
0: Yeah. I think it's I mean, spectacular. It, I mean, it was lucky that they had his brother there mm-hmm. to be able to just... So they just changed... They pretty much just put Paul Walker's face on his brother. Yeah.
1: So it wasn't... Some, no, some of them I think I saw were... Not not for any close-ups, but for some... Uh, like that shot when they're all sort of standing there looking at downtown. Mm-hmm. I think that was actually like a, a a CG... Actual CGI face they put on in the background. Huh. But, I mean, that was... Really created a... a heartbreaking ending of that movie yeah. it was really they really hit the nail on the head with those yeah also uh davy jones is spectacular and that movie came out in 2006 and it looks way better than any vfx today which is always very strange to yeah me.
0: i mean when you actually pump the money into it it's gonna be it's gonna be good it was i
1: remember i saw the second pirates with my grandparents and they were like wow they put a lot of work into that squid face how'd they film that like, they thought it was real. I thought it was wow. real, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, they're used to practical effects, so it's like, oh, I wonder how they
1: got the thing to move so well. It's weird, though, that it, it does look so good. And then uh, Gollum, of course, yeah, looks spectacular. Even still, I, I just recently been getting really back into Lord of the Rings, and it seems like those are the last movies that use every tool in the filmmaking handbook to create some of the most... Huge monumental VFX, you know, at the time with the Battle of the Pelennor Fields and hundreds of thousands of soldiers attacking each other, but then also the simplest effects, like in the behind the scenes. What you don't understand is, on when they made Lord of the Rings, yes, they had all those visual effects, but they had to build practically every set that the hobbits were involved in in two scales. Yeah, so they had, you know, the Hobbit. They had uh, Bilbo's house in hobbit scale and they also had it in gandalf scale so when gandalf stands in it no i lied not that set no
0: that one's supposed to
1: be well i mean no, no, it no, would no. be no sorry yeah you know you yeah. got gandalf size and then you have got bilbo size where he looks normal in it yeah and so and also every prop so if they're in a bar um i'm blanking prancing pony i think is the bar they have to have hobbit sized cups and regular people sized no i'm lying again not cups are a bad example
0: I get what uh, you're for, saying. So for, everything, no, sorry. you had in, to make in, in, things in look bigger. Yeah. In
1: Bilbo's apartment, they had Hobbit-sized cups. And so and it, for for everything, and then I also had to create forced perspective shots to make the Hobbits look small yeah, and the regular people look properly scaled. Yeah. Um, and they also had to have every, every, every scenario that involved Hobbits, they had to create a scale that you can't really do. Some of the shots were using green screen. Some of them were using the Hobbits. The actors would stand on their knees. Some of them, I mean, it's so seamless. And that, to me, is when you've reached the level of craft when you don't know what's real and what's not. And when everything is done in the computer, there is no... That's when you go, wow, that looks really good, instead of, wow, this movie is crazy and amazing. Yeah, Yeah, I mean,
0: obviously, there's CGI in that because they're not going to get you know thousands of people dressed up in armor fighting each other. That's going to be... But they did. They had...
1: 200 men and women on a horseback and the women had to put on fake beards to look like men, <laughs> charging through the fields of new zealand and then they just fill in the background two, yeah two, they had to build 200 costumes people uh were they elves or it doesn't matter 200 costumes for the people riding, for every for the extras plus costumes for the horses yeah and all the orcs and then also, when they crash into the orcs, 200 orc costumes.
0: I mean, and the orcs are so much prosthetic makeup, okay. too.
1: Let's talk about The Hobbit now. This, 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 this is almost a perfect example. Lord yeah. of the Rings, how much time has passed, and then The Hobbit happens. Same filmmaker, same exact team. I mean, literally same exact team, even down yeah. to the folks at Weta and Peter Jackson. Mm-hmm. The difference is, unfortunately, Peter Jackson had less time because Guillermo del Toro was going to direct The Hobbit. Yeah. And then he... Something happened. He had to pull out or something, and so he had a third of the less time to create the Hobbit. I don't know whose decision it was to make it a trilogy. It seems like everyone agrees that that. I think that was idea. Jackson's idea. I don't know. It's <laughs> irrelevant to the conversation. But um same team, same people. But I between the time of the two films, the psychology has changed, and whether it has to do with time or whatnot. Um, you look at The Hobbit and it's soulless because there's no... It's also the movie itself. The, the, it's very weak, the characters and the story. It doesn't help, though, that, the, that when you watch the film, it does feel soulless because it's just rendering. It's, and, and I feel bad shit-talking all these extremely talented VFX artists, and it's not their choice. Yeah. But it is soulless. When you just look at it, not, you're not looking at anything.
0: Like, you're used to... Like, in the first Lord of the Rings, in the Fellowship, when um, when that orc fight, uh, when the guy's fighting the orc, Sean mm-hmm. Bean, when he's fighting the orc at the end of it, mm-hmm. like, that's an actual guy dressed up in an orc costume fighting with him. you know? It's but you br-
1: don't think that. You're like, wow, look at that orc, where'd they get him from?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a real person. That's the thing, because he's actually there. Yeah. But then in The Hobbit, you got the, uh, the white orc, and he's completely CGI'd, mm-hmm. and just every time mm-hmm. I saw him, it was just... It just took me out of it. It definitely yeah. takes you out of it. Yeah. The practical effects keep you in. That's why everyone loves Jurassic Park because it's like, yeah, when a giant T Rex is chasing you, you understand that it's CGI. But that you're, by that point, you're not really caring. Yeah. But when the entire character is CGI, it makes it. Re- it pulls you out a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially when you use a lot of practical around it. Well, n- not even that. I think. I think it's a lot easier to get away with CGI when there is actually a lot of practical around it. Like you're just inserting something yeah. into
1: practical, and really, what it's best for is erasing things. Yeah, like wires. Like Force Awak- Force Awakens is a, a great example, although not entirely devoid of sin, which I'll get to soon. Like a great scene is um, is the when Ray goes over the hill and sees BB-8 uh, being in in the little uh, net. Mm-hmm. by tito, tito is writing that like uh, rhino sort of looking yeah. thing all practical yeah the desert they're all out there in abu dhabi the only thing they did is erase the puppeteer's legs inside the rhino thing <laughs> that's it yeah and it's amazing so good i i really love *Force awakens yeah. but the irony is of all the practical in the scene uh when they go to maz Kanata's bar is maz Kanata yeah she was and he talked to and i saw again force awakens like six seven times in theaters love that movie but i mean who really likes maz Kanata? i know i don't know why they couldn't whether go practical the, whether her. whether whether, practical. whether it's the design i don't the design of the character or what but <sighs> i don't know
0: yeah because she was the only thing cgi in that whole scene yeah Everything, every other creature in that entire movie, every single one is built. Mm-hmm. Except for her for some reason, and it doesn't make sense. I don't sense. know whether it
1: was time or what, but it was like, a, it has a little. Again, the legacy of Star Wars is no. And they did such a good job with the sets and everything. I mean, obviously they were trying to emulate Yoda to an extent. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't get better than Yoda when it comes to practical effects. Bringing. bringing latex to life yeah
0: for yoda oz, is my I favorite mean, frank character oz yeah is absolutely frank oz is from for anyone who doesn't know he's part he helped create the jim henson company yeah he, he
1: helped for anyone who doesn't know the also the voice of yoda and the voice of miss piggy is the same person yeah frank oz <laughs> and the same person who directed this incredible film called bowfinger if you haven't seen that it's a hilarious movie written by steve martin have you seen it
0: i haven't oh
1: it's so good
0: so what would you say is your favorite all-time like practical effects movie
1: practical effects movie yeah mm, I mean you have to I mean you have to go to Star Wars Star Wars because I mean it's, it's it's it has everything because the miniature every element of the movie and when I say element I mean when you talk about a VFX shot there's different elements to it so you have um, the, the miniature element that you photograph on top of the stars element which you composite with the explosion element and the laser element, like, and they're all practical. So the lasers are painted, and and you, the way you do it is you, you use this machine called. Um, oh, I'm totally blanking on the name of the machine. Um, it's like called like the Dykstra Flex, named after um, one of the VFX guy's last name was Dykstra. Um, and you you stack film on top of each other. The same, you like double triple expose areas of the film it is so complicated it's really hard to describe on a podcast yeah but every element on there is is real is as human fingerprints on it yeah and uh, whether it's it's dressing up an elephant to look like a uh, um Oh, boy. All the Star Wars fans are going to call me out now. I'm blanking on the names of the creatures now. Dude, I can't even keep the names of people. <laughs> yeah, the Tusken Raiders riding the fashtikata uh, things. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is I can't
0: even keep the names of people in Game of Thrones, correct? <laughs> so I, I'm not going to blame uh, you. I have to look it up now. God okay. Damn it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, everything about that. I mean, obviously, it's technically like VFX, like with the lightsabers and stuff um but i mean they pretty much went in and drew yeah drew the light on there so i mean yeah everything i mean but i guess you could say but to but to that argument you could say that bantha
1: Bantha, fuck (laughs) am i allowed to curse on here by the way yeah okay i just don't bantha they 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 dressed up elephants to look like banthas i mean to me it doesn't get the simpler the better
0: i mean they literally put a midget inside of a
1: tin can to move ahead rest in peace oh yes very yeah. very recently i mean yeah it just conjures up this because when you look at r2 mm-hmm. he's sitting right there you, there's no there's nothing again dead horse this dead horse is just completely splattered yeah. all over the room <laughs> there's just guts everywhere i mean i um i don't know i just okay I get, so let's get you. okay
0: um Okay, so I have... What's... Okay, so what obviously you said uh, Jurassic World is like a gross overuse. Yes. What about something
1: like Avatar? Because okay. I can't stand Avatar. Okay, let's talk about Avatar. Huge landmark in VFX. Um, Pretty much it the whole seemed thing like is VFX. The only thing that was practical was the actors when they weren't in Avatar form. <laughs> I mean, me... Again, when I go look at a movie and I'm going, wow, they had a hundred thousand extras for this parade sequence. Wow. But at that point of the film, I'm sucked into the story and sucked in with the characters. So all that stuff doesn't really matter. As long as it does, as long as something doesn't take me out of the movie, I'm, I'm in the mm-hmm. whole time, you know? And so when it comes to Avatar, I mean, I can't even tell you any of the na- names of the characters yeah. <laughs> or really anything that happens in that movie. But, again, I'm in the minority watch because Pocahontas. that's the, the it's biggest movie of all space. time. It's the biggest movie of all time. So, obviously, people just don't care.
0: Well, I mean, it was entertaining. And at the time, it was like, oh, look at all this CGI and everything's CGI and it's crazy. And we built this whole world and everything. It's like, yeah, good for you. But people have been doing that type of stuff for years already in practical. You just made, you know, your weird dragon creature plausible now and all your giant blue people and i don't know i I mean personally the story's boring for me and just that
1: everything being cgi just doesn't help that yeah it's i think that as original that movie comes off it's kind of like all the mechs like james cameron was like stealing from himself pretty much all the mechs are from you know uh terminator 2 all the spaceships are from like aliens um and like halo yeah and then the
0: entire stories from and then plus the, the like the
1: and, basic story is like he dances with the wolves or or a pocahontas or whatever you yeah know? which is fine because you know people like to reuse sort of plot elements there's reusing and then there's just changing names i don't know to me I, did you ever see
0: the thing where someone literally took out the took the plot to pocahontas from imdb and took the plot synapses <laughs> from avatar the and they literally just blacked <laughs> out the names on both the, blacked out all the nouns uh, and it was almost the exact same. Yikes.
1: I mean, <laughs> it seems like Avatar w- came out at the perfect time and was just kind of slid in and just p- took the world by storm. Yeah, I mean, it was right when and, VFX
0: really kicked in to be able to do everything it can now.
1: Yeah. No and one had, f- no it one seems, had done that. It seems that like the VFX, in my opinion, have sort of hit the ceiling already. And, and by that, I mean, you can create whatever is in your head, right? Mm-hmm. There's no more like, can we do this? Can we do that? It's like, no. Like, look at something like Warcraft. It's like, they really, it looks like they really went to town on that movie. Yeah. And they obviously didn't click with audiences here, but it clicked with audiences overseas. So
0: As long as they make their money back, they're happy.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I understand. I think
0: I get what you're saying, because I think what it's kind of ruining is that, that idea that, yeah, you can make anything. And if you ever talk to the filmmakers – what that like they'll talk about their best movies they'll talk about the constraints they were under Mm -hmm. they'll talk about how you know we had we could only do this so we had to work around it instead of if and they're like if we had gotten everything that we wanted it wouldn't be the same movie and it wouldn't be as good Mm -hmm. we had to work and be creative with constraints and that's what made this movie what it is and that is lost yeah that's definitely lost mm-hmm. I because mean,
1: when you're when you're planning for a vFX sequence you don't really have time it's all pre-planned you don't really have a lot of time to be creative. you're just sort of doing mm-hmm. you're your shooting your storyboards at that point. Of course, not all filmmakers do it, do it that way, but it just seems like yeah that sort of the little bit of movie magic that we love so much is 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 now pixels, and there's not really you can't touch it it's not tangible i don't know i feel uh it's See the the, i'll take it back to jurassic park is jeff goldblum he says uh you know uh, in the scene when they're having dinner and they're talking about the ethics of bringing dinosaurs back to life yeah what's the fuck what's the line he's uh you stood on the shoulders of giants and yeah you didn't you didn't stop oh man, I'm totally butchering this. Can you please take over, Matt?
0: <laughs> I don't... I, I know what you're talking about, but yeah, so pretty much it's just the you idea say,
1: you, you should, just you because you, think about it, you, Just because you can do it doesn't mean you, you should do it. Yeah, exactly. Just say.
0: you shouldn't play God is essentially the... Yeah. And that's what... Yeah, you pretty much can play God in the movie universe now with everything that goes on VFX-wise. And, 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 and,
1: and, and when things, they just keep escalating and are bigger and bigger, but then not really. So when you look at something like the... I haven't seen Suicide Squad, but I've heard the ending is just a a million CGI characters attacking our our our, our hero characters with a light giant laser beam in the sky. Huh. Well, that sounds like the end of Ghostbusters. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like the end of Age of Ultron. Sounds like the end of regular Avengers. Sounds like, um, you know, it seems like the bigger it's getting, the more homogenized it's getting too. Yeah, because everyone's just coming up
0: with the same idea, and it's like, oh, we can do that now instead of everyone actually being creative yeah. about it.
1: I think a great example is the end of Back to the Future. The, the current ending is it all takes place in, you know, Hill Valley, and he has to yeah. race the DeLorean, uh, perfect timing, blah, 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 right? The original ending was actually not to take place in Hill Valley. Their original idea was instead of harnessing lightning, they were going to drive at a, uh, a nuclear, like, testing site mm. and then get the energy from the nuclear blast or something like that. And the studio was like, yeah, no. We're not doing that. We can't... We can, a, we can't do it, and B, we can't afford it. Yeah. So go and use your brains. Use your creativity. Think of a different ending. Exactly. The constraints.
0: Exactly. I mean, Indiana Jones is probably one of the best series there ever is in almost all of that. Pretty much all of that's that. practical. I'm glad you brought that up. Because okay. if you watch Indiana Jones 1 through 3, absolutely fantastic. Pretty much all of it's practical.
1: Um, and it is, again, very much part... Like, the... D- even more than even Jurassic Park. I would even bring it, Indiana Jones is in, so embedded in the DNA of believing that world. Oh, yeah. When you, when you see Indiana Jones and there are real snakes, real bugs, real rats, real fire, real caves, yeah, you have no choice as a viewer whether or not to believe it because it's real yeah i mean they went out to and the then desert, when you have the first this. the first shot in crystal skull is a little cgi fucking rat or whatever it is a little um what is it a little um prairie dog oh yeah and, and it's and like, it's almost like the blast scene with the fridge to and- me that is not even the worst scene in the movie when swinging you with monkeys CGI shia labeouf swinging cgi on top of it i mean it is endless in that film oh, it took God. me a long it, honestly it, it took I, me a long time to get out of denial about that because i love raiders and last crusade and even, i mean you don't love temple of Doom. i do love temple of doom it's all right this is my ranking temple of doom nine out of ten raiders 10 out of 10 last crusade 11 out of 10 Fair enough. So they're all Fair still enough. really good. Fair enough. <laughs> but to me, like you know, the, the second film, the only reason why it's just notched a little down is because of uh, Willie Scott. I mean, everyone can agree on that. Yeah,
0: I mean, whatever. But though. I mean, it is. It's it, I mean, those
1: films are like they're they're sort of like James Bond movies, where one of the reasons why you go is oh, I want to see new countries and new this yeah. and new that,
0: right? That's the point of an adventure film: is to show you it's, places you haven't yeah, been.
1: And so. When I'm seeing things that aren't real in something that's supposed to be so grounded and so real, when you know, like again in the original write, in, in Raiders, the scene when uh, Indy shoots the the goon, like the crowd was, splits and the goon is like standing there and he swings the sword. I was going to talk about that. I love that scene. And it's like they're on set. Harrison Ford has like diarrhea, and they're like, "What? Why, I don't know what to do." Well, here's an idea. Why don't we just fix it in post? What do the whole fight scene? We'll do it later. We'll food, film it on green screen. No they just have to th- what do we do i don't know what to do harrison ford is really sick can't do the choreography so what do you he's literally shooting his pants we have like 10 minutes to film yeah. this. just bang. shoots him bang done uh and that guy caught a toy <laughs> yeah i mean and and, and they also have uh, in the behind the scenes they did shoot maybe like a third of the fight you know yeah but um
0: he was just too sick and they so they just scrapped the whole thing just shot that i mean and, and, and then, it,
1: and, then and then it's and then and then and then really it's a character moment yeah and it's know? one of the most iconic moments in that film yeah and then and then back to the ball. I mean, that's such a simple, practical effect. Yeah. And you have no again no choice but to believe it because you're seeing it with your own eyes. Yeah. And that's why we love Indiana Jones so much. He's not running away from.
0: He's a wrath tire. He's not <laughs> in Shots a. Fired. Shots <laughs> <fired>. <laughs> he's again, not-
1: I love Force Awakens, but like wrath tires, man. Come on.
0: I know. And that was the worst use of the guys from the raid. Oh, man, <laughs> that's a different. Oh, that's i different. If topic. You want to talk
1: about when practical fight scenes, yeah. just brutal, like precise, brilliant fight scenes it doesn't get better than the raid and the raid two. Yeah, I think though that I, I, uh, apparently they helped with the Ray Kyler and lightsaber fight. And so oh, they I were don't like doubt it. They were sort of gifted cameos, sort of. But only only those who knew when we saw those guys was like, oh fuck, they're gonna like fight Harrison Ford. No, nope. it, it never happened. Nope, they just get eaten by it's a okay. monster. I, I'm over it.
0: Yeah. I think that. You know. I mean, for one of the few CGI things they had, it's fine.
1: Oh, yeah. Again, huge fan of Force Awakens.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. So have you seen. I, I guess we'll end on this one. Because this one's been getting a lot of praise uh, Jungle Book. Okay. John Favreau's. Because that was mainly CGI. I haven't seen it yet, but I have heard. I have heard not it, also
1: seen it. But the thing is, it is just VFX CGI. The same way as practical and what everything—it's just a tool, right? Yeah. And if you're using the right tool for the right job, it's fine. No one notices nothing. It's fine, right? So sometimes, like Gollum, m- practical makeup doesn't work because he's just too thin and he's too—he's too gross and he his yeah. it's, right. He just can't do it that way. Jungle Book, I mean, can't
0: exactly make a bear talk and.
1: I Do mean, all that stuff. yeah. Again, I haven't seen it, but it seems like they put story first, and and that it seems like that's what people are resonating with. That I mean, that's great characters and a great story and the music, and I mean the Jungle yeah. Book is iconic. So I yeah. haven't seen it, but I know pretty
0: much all of it's VFX though. Oh n- yeah, the whole like thing. even the backgrounds and everything.
1: So again, I need to see that. But when again, if it's the right tool then it's the right tool and we can't argue with it. And, and again, CGI is a, such an incredible tool. You can give the audience things they've never mm-hmm. seen before. Mm-hmm. But you have to choose to give audiences something they've never seen before.
0: Yeah, I get you. I'm, I'm kind of excited to see Pete's Dragon. Because um, yeah, it looks weird. like a really good mix. It looks like really the dragon is really the only thing they really went for CGI on.
1: I mean, I'm sure there's a lot more. Sometimes, but you know... I mean, I don't know. That's just there the is trailer. something about the imperfection of of like a never ending story. The charm of a well, the puppets, child yeah. riding a gig, like a life size dragon. Yeah, it might not look real. You're you, you're aware as an audience that you're looking at a puppet. Yeah, but the fact that it's there and it's talking and it's breathing, it does something. I mean, there's a reason why these like something like Gremlins or ET lasts so long. Yeah, or, or Yoda. Because they don't age, very, because they're true. real. You know.
0: That's very true. Huh. Huh. All right. I think no, I'm depressed. Good, I, think, <laughs> I think that's a good note to end on. Uh, you got any plugs? You want to uh, plug your website, your uh, Twitter, Instagram? Uh, sure. And so
1: um, my website, Josh, Seth, like Seth Rogan, Blake.com. I have links to some of my – I also have some art pieces uh, that are appear in Gallery 1988 and uh, the Hero Complex Gallery. So yeah, go check him out.
0: And That's he has it. one dedicated to Rick Baker, the king of practical yeah. effects. I did
1: a poster for Thriller because I think that video is awesome and my, I love Michael Jackson and I made a piece for Thriller for a Rick Baker art show. And I met Rick Baker. What a gentleman. That's awesome. Uh
0: Twitter, Instagram,
1: any of that? Uh you don't have it's to. I uh it doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> it's all there. just go to his
0: website, Josh
1: I hope there's no dead uh horse meat that just has launched We've been beating this horse for a whole hour. I hope it hasn't. Uh, I'll gotten clean into it
0: up later. Okay. It's all good. Uh, but thanks for coming in, man. Yeah, man. All this right, is fun. all right. See you guys next week. All right, thanks for listening today, guys. Awesome talk with Josh. Love, love talking movies all the time. As I was a film major, I could probably do it twenty four seven. But I know most people don't want to, unless you're talking to another film major. But that's a given. So let's get into some plugs. Follow the podcast at. BTJMO Pod on Twitter on Facebook at facebook.com slash BTJMO pod. You can email us with comments, questions, anything at but that's just my opinion pod at gmail.com And you can follow my personal accounts on Twitter at Flannel is comfy and Instagram flannel shirts in summer. So to stick with what I talked about in the beginning with Gene Wilder, the song this week is going to be pure imagination from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I'm sure many people have been sharing it on your Facebook, on your Twitter, whatever, since a lot of us were really touched by this film. And this, this is a huge film for people of my generation. So I wanted to go out with something that, that's inspired a lot of people, just, just to dream and do what you want and really really be yourself and make anything possible. So thanks for listening, guys. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week.
2: Traveling in the world of my creation, what we'll see will
0: defy
2: explanation. If you want to view paradise, simply look around and view it. Anything you want to do is Want to change the world There's nothing to View it anything you want to do it, what a change.